What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, May 7th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside Press Reset author Jason Schreier. I love it. I love it. Got All that ready. promo center stage. I got one in the background. I got yelled at by a Twitter account called rate my my office space or whatever rate my yeah. zoom because I took a joke picture that was just the book like in front of my bookshelf like 40 <laughs> copies of the book. And so so this account takes it seriously, of course, and, and suddenly course, I start yeah, getting messages from all these people. <laughs> <laughs> nobody on the internet understands humor welcome welcome to the internet where nobody can laugh right exactly well you know it's so hard to uh, read tone in anything so everything's an attack and nobody knows what's going on and then things get exactly. taken out of context even your friends are here and you say stuff on podcast not understanding what's happening <sighs> i digress oh, jason <laughs> it has been one year and some change since you were on we have cool friends you were here uh, april 20th 2020 when you had yes. just announced you were going over to bloomberg uh mm -hmm. of course lots has happened in your life since then <laughs> how has the first year of bloomberg been yeah it's so weird man like i mean everybody's going through this everybody's going through covid obviously but um it's so weird starting a new job during covid and having been there for a year it's like i kind of understand the ins and outs of the the job and the office place and the workspace but like i also don't because i haven't actually worked with my coworkers in person which sure. is so like i was at the office once before i even started during the interview process but since then i haven't been in the office um i like barely get to see my coworkers. it's just so strange and like different than i'm used to but like i like it I, I'm, I'm i can't really complain and i like being able to work from home it's just very weird it's been a very weird year yeah, 100%, right? And I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Even for us, like, right, of, like, it's so weird to not, I, you know, we hired uh, Snowbike Mike during uh, all of this. And so it's, like, mm -hmm. the fact that I haven't ever shared an office with him still makes it seem like he's a guest when it's also like, oh, no, this is your full-time job. Like, yeah. you're making kind of yeah. funny stuff all the time. I just don't think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, so, uh, yeah, so strange. It, obviously, uh, I would assume if you're listening to Kind of Funny Games Daily, everybody knows who Jason Schreier is. But if they don't, Jason, how do you describe yourself? Yeah, I mean, I am a journalist. Um, I've been covering the video game industry for a very long time now, like something like twelve years. So I don't think I don't think quite as many as you, but but a long time. Um, and I am the author of a couple books now: Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and then Press Reset: Ruin Recovery in the Video Game Industry, which comes out on Tuesday, May eleventh, which I'm really excited about. Man, Greg, you and I both know we're both used to like the world of digital publishing, where you like yeah. have a thought and like it takes maybe a day or like a week to get it on the internet um <laughs> books i like had finished most of this book like march of last year so before my last kind of funny appearance before it was even announced i had finished most of the book and it just takes so long for these things to actually get printed that um it's excruciating and so now it's like four days away oh my god i'm so excited I can't imagine. Yeah. And especially even like reading through it, right? Like when you get to, when I crack the epilogue and you're like, by the way, <laughs> I wrote this uh, between these days. And since then you put like a list of companies, including yep. Telltale, where I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even think about the fact that all of this, had, you have all these stories in here, right? Of these, you know, what it's like to work on a video game and have your game canceled, have your studio closed. And then of course there's like the, the biggest example in modern times of like going from, you know, literally the top to ruin, like you're talking about. It was like, wow, I can't imagine. Like, to have this right there like does it feel like a afterthought to you does this feel like another life when you are working on this and writing it 
In some ways, yes, but in some ways, no. So what happened was, so I finished the bulk of it in March, and then I spent like I was editing it, and go, it goes through a lot of edits, edits. So like sure. it's edits with my publisher. I send it out to a couple of friends and and family for, for feedback and stuff like that, and then go through various various revisions, tons of revisions and fact checking and stuff. But here's what's really interesting. So um, one of the things, so the book is about just to zoom out for a second. The book is about volatility yeah. in the video game industry, and it's about what happens to people when game studios shut down and so it tells all these stories about game studios like irrational games the maker of bioshock and 38 studios the wild story of kurt schilling kurt and schilling dude that was like when, oh, when i when you when i got my copy that was the one i jumped to as a oh, big Kingdom of Alert fan i had to yeah. and then i went to the visceral games and wanted to hear about dead space and uh, yes. yeah good stuff in there and then so wild stories in there and then so what happened was i knew that i knew from the get-go that i didn't want this to just be a book that was like problem 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 i also wanted to present some solutions and like explore some of the ways in which these problems could be fixed. And so um, one of the solutions that I was exploring was remote work. And this was before, this was February, January of 2020. Suddenly we start hearing about this thing called COVID-19 and suddenly the world changes and everybody's working remotely. And so what I was able to do was do some more reporting after that. And it turns out, and this was super cool, it turns out that Carrie Guskas, who's um, former GameSpot back in the day and then was at Mythic Entertainment. And so she was one of the people, um, one of the, like the main characters of my story of the chapter of Mythic Entertainment, which is a great, great story about um, this, this EA-owned MMO developer that was forced to make a Dungeon Keeper mobile game that was just absolutely eviscerated in the internet and shut down after that. And so anyway, so Carrie was like one of the people I've been talking to for that story and she was a main character. And then it turns out that afterwards, it turns out in 2020, she is at Bungie and her job is to supervise their transition of going remote. And so I got her on the phone and I was like, we got to talk about this because this is so relevant to my book now. And so I was able to incorporate some stuff from COVID um, and like people using COVID as a way to work remotely and just talked a bunch about remote work and how that can be a solution to these problems. Um, Cause yeah, cause like, so a lot of people might know, like your average kind of funny listener might know that, yeah, there are a lot of layoffs in the games industry, a lot of studio shutdowns, but like I've seen a reaction from people. Sometimes when I report on a layoff, I'll see a reaction that is like, oh yeah, they worked on Blizzard games. They have Blizzard games on their resume. They'll be fine. Or like they worked on The Last of Us 2. They'll be fine or whatever it is. Yeah. But, and, and, and to some extent that's true. Like if you have big AAA games on your resume, you'll probably be able to find another job in the industry. Most of the time you'll be able to find another job. Here's the problem. Problem, though if you are at irrational games in boston and you just worked on bioshock and your studio shuts down you might have to move three thousand miles away to get, to get your next job like you have to make you might have to go to seattle or san francisco or la like there aren't a lot of game studios in boston and same with even if you're in one of those big hubs you might have to move somewhere else and so the biggest problem in the games industry as far as volatility goes is that people just keep having to uproot their lives in order to keep up and in order to keep switching jobs which you kind of need to do in games and unlike like film you you are not all in hollywood you're not all in la so yeah so that that is a huge problem and i think remote work could really just make such a big improvement in people's lives and like stop so many people from burning out of the video game industry as a result I, yeah, I, you know, I, you nail it. I think I you know, I forget the uh, in the in the book press reset uh, the person's name, but it was when you're talking about 38 Studios and how mm-hmm. they went out there to see their old friends. Like they came yep. out with no intention of taking the job. They got there and then saw what you know what they were being pitched and what the game looked like. And this is an uh-huh. awesome opportunity. And came uprooted their entire life, moved across the country, did it, and then yep. for everything to go kaput out of nowhere. Right? Like that yeah, it's wild. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. There was this guy named Andy Johnson who I spoke to and who is who is part of that chapter. He was at THQ in 2011, and we all know what happened in THQ. And he was like, he saw the writing on the Damn wall. Damn you, was, you draw. Damn you. God, yeah. He was essentially he was like, okay, uh, this is uh, this is this studio is gonna like something's gonna happen to this publisher. This publisher is not gonna be okay. I better find an exit plan. And so he found this other job at a company called 38 Studios, and he drives across the country, takes his whole family from Arizona, moves to Rhode Island. And five months later, he's like out of out of a job. It's just so sad. So many of these stories. And yeah, I mean, I think this book, I think people will read it. I think it'll really resonate with people. I think it's bleak, but I also think it's optimistic because I'm really hopeful that like there are a lot of ways that sure. things can change. And like the video game industry can treat its workers de- decently. Like it's possible. It's well, just- it's the same thing too of uh, the story you tell. And I, I, and I know him because uh, the guy who went from Visceral to then to go to Square and then quit mm-hmm. like three months in. Do you remember his name? M- yeah, Mastro? yeah, yeah. Zach Mumbach. So Zach Mumbach, is, he's the main character of one of the chapters. Um, and yeah, 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 his and, story and, is absolutely fascinating. And like his thing of like, you know, when he gets to uh, Crystal Dynamics and he's like, you know what? Like this ain't it. I, I'm, I'm too. I don't want to do this again. And being a big, and he, he quits and goes, you know, and moves to Seattle, right? And he becomes like, it works in an architect. An architect, firm. yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's yeah. that thing of like him ta- t- being so like in your t- the interview with him talking about like. I'm just so dejected. I'm at parties and I describe myself as a game developer, but I work in an architect. For, and it's like that fascinating thing that I think when we read the news, especially on Games Daily, but or when you read the news on IGN or wherever you're getting your news, it is this idea of like you hear like mm, the jobs are gone, right? And he talks about like in visceral, in visceral, he knew the visceral thing was happening, but everybody going in for the all hands meeting, right? And being told this is done. And you hear that and it's the shock of it, but you don't know what comes next. And so his story, while bleak for sure, I think in the moments, his story of going up to Seattle, working the architect firm, but then of course coming back to game dev and coming back to indie game dev, right? Where he can work and actually see his family and figure this all out and still be an artist, I thought was really powerful. Yeah, and my favorite quote from Zach Mombach is, um, it's something like, like when he got to Crystal Dynamics, he'd been at EA for like 17 years until Visceral shut down. He moved to Crystal and he looks around and he says, when I started the industry, it was like all people in their 20s. And now I look around and it's still all people in their 20s. Like where <laughs> where are the people my age? And yeah. the answer is so many of them have burnt out. Um, I saw another stat. Uh, a couple of weeks ago that like is is just so indicative of this point of this larger problem um essentially someone compiled like someone found a job listing site a game job listing site and it was like um senior jobs were 10 times as many as all the rest it was like senior jobs a thousand and then like junior jobs like 10 or something like that it was ridiculous it's it's like these companies cannot keep senior talent and have all these vacancies for senior talent and that hurts the industry it hurts the people and also it hurts the games like people don't realize that because it's so uh the effects can't be measured or anything it's impossible to say like oh cyberpunk is is buggy or any game is buggy because it didn't have enough senior staff and all the senior staff burnt out like it's impossible to know that for sure it's impossible to be able to prove that but the effects are very very real and like the problems with brain jane are very very real Exactly right. It's that experience leak when you lose all that stuff. Like, you know, so much of anybody's job is knowing the pitfalls because you've gone through them before. And when you burn everybody out, what are you going to do? It's it's this revolving door. And it's the same thing, I think. And it's better now. But at my time at IGN, for sure, it was a similar thing where it was you looked around and nobody like the people who were old were the bosses and they weren't going anywhere. And so, yeah, you had this constant cycle. I I always go back to review scores. We're a 100 point scale. No, we're a 20 point scale. You know what? We're a 100 point scale. Now, you know, we're at 20 points. It was like this constant (laughs) thing. Every few years, you relived the matrix, and I think that's a a real threat for sure. 
yeah, the parallels between media and games are very, very real. And I thought a lot, I thought a lot about them while writing this book and I've talked a lot about them, like as I'm being interviewed by journalists sure. and stuff who see a lot of themselves in this. But here's the biggest difference. Unlike media, the games industry actually makes money. Like the book starts <laughs> off by talking about how video games are making $180 billion a year. And like, I mean, for all of media's faults, it is very much a bunch of scrappy like organizations trying to like, to like the very lucky ones are able to make money off of subscriptions and obviously like independent organizations like you guys have been super successful which is awesome to see but most most media websites are are not doing super well as opposed to the games industry and it's like people ask where where is this money going and then you look at how much of a bonus bobby kotick just took in and then yeah, you're exactly like oh right. that's that's where the money is going oh well, activision I mean, he, just he, gave he, out he took dividends. a pay cut and he, i mean he could still get 200 <laughs> million dollars or whatever but he took a pay cut so you know <laughs> that's true he did he cut his salary from like one and a half million to to seven seven hundred fifty thousand. but meanwhile his 30 million dollar bonus is still still intact don't worry exactly. don't worry about it but yeah Ladies no the, the the yeah Jesus. No, keep going. No, keep, I'm not going to stop you. I'm just going to no, say no, 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 no. Coming out. That's okay. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think it's like uh, a lot of people dug Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, my first book, and I'm proud of that book. But like, I learned so many things while writing that book that I improved for this book. Like, um, a lot of people, a lot of people were like to me, "Hey, I I love the Stardew Valley story because it was like all about this one person going on this epic journey." And so for this book, I was like, "I want this all to be human stories instead yeah. of just stories about like the games." And this is very much not a book about the games. There's interesting stuff about the games but this is very much a book about the people and like my hope is that people the readers will come away from it knowing the names of some people not just like the ken levines and warren specters that they yeah. might have known already but like people like zach mombach and carrie guskas who i think that like people will find really interesting and yeah i think this book will really resonate with people and that's I'm what i love super about proud it, of it is that to me it honestly reads like an anthology right where it is that like i'm telling you like when i read the when you sent me the stuff and i was reading the cover jacket i was like oh i want to skip to these stories and i skipped to them and i wasn't like lost right it was very much you can take a chapter and read about the game you care about and then go back and find stuff that you didn't play but you want to know the story about loved it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of course ladies and gentlemen yeah, press reset yeah, out yeah. tuesday you can go get your copy at kindoffunny.com slash jason that'll take you right to the link to buy it and get your copy right there sweet do it kindoffunny.com slash jason i love it for now though let's talk about there being another judgment game coming yakuza committing to being turn-based for the rest of eternity and the semiconductor shortage already affecting the Nintendo Switch. We'll tackle all this and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show at patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. On patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, you can write in with your questions, comments, concerns, everything under the video game sun. And of course, you can get the show ad-free and with the exclusive post show we do each and every weekday. However, if you have no bucks to toss our way it's no big deal you can watch us record the show live for free on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games just like omg jesus is joel vill is and flack no no flaw lex is uh if you're on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games of course you have a special job go to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com and listening on podcast services around 
the globe each and every weekday. Housekeeping, it is Snowbike Mike's 31st birthday, ladies and gentlemen. And to celebrate, we are doing a Twitch subathon right after Kind of Funny Games Daily on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. Uh, it's going to kick off with some Warzone. Then Tim and I will finally play through. Uh, Emily is away three. Uh, you guys can show up on Twitch. You can keep watching. You can keep subbing. And it will keep going and going and going. However, if you're not, if you're listening to this later and you want to catch up on all the action, you can go to youtube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays. Catch the Snowbike Mike subathon birthday stream there. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Blackjack and Tom Bach. Today, we're brought to you by Honey, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Five items on the Roper Report. Baker Susan. Thank you very much, Kevin. Jason, how much do you care about Yakuza and Judgment and all that? Man, I feel like I have to give in my JRPG card because, like, I can never get into this series. And I feel bad. I've tried it a few times and just keep bouncing off of it. So the answer, unfortunately, is zero. Well, too bad you're going to talk about it right now. Yeah, that's uh, we're fine. talking about. I'm down. <laughs> We're talking about Lost Judgment has been announced, a new Judgment game. I'm reading from the press release sent to me, and yes, I will stumble over all the Japanese words. I apologize. Uh, Sega and Ryu Ga Gotuku Studio uh, streamed the announcement of Last Lost Judgment, uh, the sequel to Judgment. Uh, from the studio that brought you the Accused series, Lost Judgment weaves elements of detective sleuthing, noir narrative, and action combat into one mystery thriller starring Private Eye uh, y- Yagami, who, uh, if you played the game, we all know Yagami. We love him. Uh, uh, Tak also is what they call him, who defends uh, those the law fails to protect. Lost Judgment launches worldwide on September 24th, 2021 for next-gen platforms, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, as well as PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Uh, Lost Judgment puts you back into Tox's shoes as you go through a new crime thing, yada, yada, yada. Lost Judgment keeps uh, RGG Studios' action genre alive. This is important right now. Uh, Lost Judgment keeps RGG Studios' action genre alive. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Yagami's master of martial arts, allowing him to stylishly overcome any situation from group ambushes to single takedowns. Um, you're also going from Yokohama to Karuchimo. Uh No. Kamu Rocho. I know that one from the, the Yakuza games, but I can never say it. Uh, Yagami can freely travel between both cities in pursuit of a case. Uh, Yagami's investigation takes him undercover in a high school. Uh, he will meet students from all walks of life and get to help them out in subquest titled School Stories that involve various activities such as robotics, dancing, and more. New gadgets, stealth gameplay, and uh, crafty methods of infiltration are just a few of Yagami's new detective tricks of the trade. Uh, I've played. I had played judgment at launch fallen off and then this year actually i was in the mood for a detective game and restarted judgment about two months before they announced the ps5 version jason and i was like god dang it because saves don't transfer for some reason uh but i really enjoy judgment i still haven't beaten it but i played way deeper into it this time and i really do like uh yagami and the take of yakuza's traditional beat-em-up combat into a detective story and all these different things to go out there and find however Oh, sorry, what do you got? Well, so I was going to say, so I love detective stories. And I remember when Judgment first came out, I was talking to my former colleague at Kotaku, Tim Rogers, about it because he's way into all this stuff. And he was, and I was asking him, like, so how much is this like Phoenix Wright? Because Phoenix Wright is one of my favorite series. And he was like, sure. not at all. And I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, sell me on this game. Like, I want to give it a chance. I want to, I want to keep trying to get into Yakuza and the Judgment world. So sell me, sell me on it. Should I get it on PS5? what turns you off about yakuza what when you play it what is the thing where you're like ah man this just doesn't click for me i don't know it's hard to say like i just don't i just bounce off it i just like don't want to keep 
playing and it's really hard to know why maybe it's just like too overwhelming with mini games or maybe it's too slow or maybe it's too i don't know maybe it just doesn't hook me i don't know it's this, just something about this world yeah for me with yakuza and even judgment to a degree is what i th- the reason i don't play yakuza anymore and i reviewed a bunch of Gen and enjoyed them so it's not that i don't like the games it's just that it's always and i know i get yelled at all the time about this i feel more of the same and so when i was playing judgment that's what i was falling into the trap of of you're going and going and going but like you know jen would come down or she would be next to me while i was playing she'd be like i know you've been playing this for hours but this looks exactly like what you were doing four hours ago right because it just it has that same gameplay loop of talk to somebody and like then you run off and you beat somebody up in the street and then you come back and talk and it's like I, you, you have to be in the mood for that. And that's what I found mm-hmm. with Judgment, where when it launched, I was excited. It was the first, you know, I know uh, you could like Dragons happened since then, but Judgment was the first one that had like a, an English dub. Like they were, you know, it was uh, this thing that was trying to be, make it more cinematic. And I started it, but I wasn't in the mood for that pace of a game. Whereas this time around, I was. And for me, it is the idea that I think Tak and his relationship with his partner is super cool. Like that is a human relationship. I like that he's this lawyer that basically the story, and this is the beginning of Judgment. He's a lawyer uh, that had gotten this criminal off, right? And then that criminal went and killed the person that he was, you know, defending them, uh, that the case was about. So like Tak becomes totally disenfranchised with being a lawyer and instead goes off to be a detective. And he's still helping out the law stuff. There's all this interesting story that I think makes him a cool character to follow. Hmm. Okay, sounds interesting. But then it, but it is that you know you're out in the streets doing super kicks and picking up bikes and smashing people in the head with them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is Yakuza, uh-huh. so it's like yeah, and it's, it's long too, which is what I was running into of like I was playing it and uh-huh. enjoying it, but it did get to that point of like, okay, I'm I'm going after the third pervert in this thing. There's this whole <laughs> there's this triangle of perverts that are running around the city doing bad things, and it's like. I'm doing the exact same thing and chasing the exact same thing. I feel like putting this down for a while and stepping away, but now there's uh-huh. more coming. So there you go. Wow. Uh, hey, yeah. Here's a question I have about the business. It comes from Drewvenator on patreon.com slash kind of funny games. It says lost judgment was revealed today. And guess what? It has a global launch and coming day and date to Xbox one and series consoles. This caught me by surprise with the exception of the Yakuza like a dragon, which was a launch title for the series consoles. It was already out in PlayStation four in Japan. It is very rare for these Japanese games to a come to Xbox consoles the same time as PlayStation or B come at all. Do you expect more Japanese games to launch on Xbox consoles the same time as PlayStation in the future? If so, what's going on with Final Fantasy VII Remake? Jason, removing it from like your uh, your fandom or lack thereof of Yakuza and Judgment, what's your read on them supporting the Xbox? Yeah, I mean, I think that this comes down to it being Sega, and I think Sega is a pretty good relationship to Xbox. There have been rumors forever now that uh, that Sega might be next on Xbox's giant, like Phil Spencer's giant list is like Thanos style, like uh, collecting all the Infinity Gems. There have been rumors forever that like Sega was going to be next, uh, that Microsoft was going to buy them, and this is not just rumors on the internet. Like there were rumors in game circles too. None of them ever came to fruition, but but there were certainly there have certainly been rumors for a while um so i wouldn't be shocked if this was more of a sega thing than like a japanese industry thing because i do think that square and final fantasy 7 remake and like final fantasy 16 and all that stuff i think that's more of the the trend and i don't think that's changing until more japanese people buy xboxes and as far as we know that still hasn't happened um 
it's tough. It's tough to know right now, like how anything is doing. It's tough to, it's tough to really put on your analyst hat and it comes to the consoles because every single PlayStation and every single Xbox is sold out because of the chip shortage, because nobody can make enough for any demand. But um, in a normal world, I'm not sure if like there would be enough interest on in Japan for some of these Japanese games on Xbox. But I think Sega is the one that is like, okay, we like Phil Spencer. We have our yep. special love, lovey dovey relationship with them. So we're going to do some of this stuff. And in fact, I wouldn't be shocked if like we started seeing like say other Sega games. I mean, we saw Persona 4 go to PC. I would not be shocked if Persona 5 like came to other platforms. Maybe that'll come to PC, Xbox. Um, I had heard, I remember hearing when Persona 4 came out, I remember hearing even before that, that Persona 3 was also going to come to PC. So it, it feels like this thing where it's like Sega is really just expanding into the into the Microsoft area. Yeah, you. I would assume right that especially with uh, like a dragon being on Xbox, right, and be, having such a big push behind it, and that exclusivity window, that is Xbox trying to entice Sega to bring mm-hmm. more of these games on, trying to build this relationship. And I think they did see, you know, whether it was a a big dollar success, they did see a success of like a dragon and people talking about that and playing that on Xbox and being excited for it. A lot of people, you know, yeah. who got on that train were talking about like it was like Gary Widow was talking about that being on his game of the year shortlist. Like he really, really dug it. Yeah, I remember when, well, it was funny. I remember when we got our review units for the Xbox and PS5 and it was like yep. the PS5 comes with the Spider-Man and like Sackboy and, and all this stuff. And then the Xbox, they sent out codes for like a bunch of games that were already out. And then uh, <laughs> Like a Dragon. Like a Dragon was like yep. the only thing you could play. When I got me, yeah, when I, when I had my test, that was the one I did. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. like it, it looks, it's a very pretty Yakuza game, turn-based now, and but uh, whatever, yep. it's <laughs> here it is, it's ready to go. Yep. Now, speaking of turn-based, I think this is what I'm going to title the episode, too, so I should have brought it up earlier. Uh, okay. Like We talked about Lost Judgment keeps RGG Studios action genre alive. You might say, what does that mean, of course? Number two on the Roper Report, the Yakuza series is permanently going turn-based. This is Matt TM Kim at IGN.com. In an interview with IGN ahead of today's reveal, producers confirmed that Judgment will be RGG's action series pillar, while Yakuza evolves into a turn-based RPG after the success of Yakuza Like a Dragon. Quote, that's right, the two producers confirmed when asked if Judgment represents a continuation of the classic Yakuza style of gameplay, while Yakuza transitions into a turn-based RPG. Quote, the Yakuza series has been transformed into a turn-based RPG. On the other hand, over the years, RGG Studios has accumulated uh, resources and know-how of making flashy and exhilarating action games that are effortless to enjoy. We decided that we should let our signature action gameplay live on through Lost Judgment. Uh, I was shocked by this. I didn't. I didn't see this coming, Jason. Like a dragon again. Somebody who had played so many Yakuza's and reviewed them, I was like, "Oh, like like a dragon." It was this dr- Dragon Quest homage. They're doing all these different stuff with it. Cool way to shake it up. I didn't think it was going to become a permanent decision like this. And it's yeah, well, it's worth noting that like like a dragon. I did play a little bit of that, and obviously I bounced off of it, like I said before. But like, it's not like you go to a separate combat screen like an old school JRPG, and like suddenly you're yeah. selecting from a menu. Like it feels very actiony. It's like it's a very much like a hybrid of action and turn-based because like you're picking up crowbars from the street and hammering them and it That's just happens to be in turns the menu pops up right and you select the right. thing you want to do but it's right there and then yes it plays out just like yakuza always played out and looks like. right right yeah. so and and i think turns are a cool way like i think it's a really cool hybrid system i i, I liked it actually when i when i checked it out a lot of people did, including, of course, the Don Imran Khan from Fanbyte, formerly of Kind of Funny. He tweeted this today, and I wanted to call him in because everybody knows he's a big Yakuza fan. His tweet goes like this. Uh, 
I am not against it, uh, but they desperately need to balance their battle system better. There was never a reason to change jobs for most of the characters, and end games and, and end game enemies had way too much HP for the damage you were dealing. Uh, of course, talking about it, and that was my takeaway from just my short preview time with it because I never uh, got into the retail version of Like a Dragon. Playing through it, it, and Gary talked about this too. I felt like I could put it on autopilot in a way I never could Persona, where I could just hit auto and it would go through and do the thing, and I would move on to the next fight or move on to the next story element. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somehow for some reason, um, even though I bounced off all the Yakuza games, I played through Persona Five in its entirety twice, like two hundred my of <laughs> hours of my life gone through that. There's just something about the vibe of Persona, especially Persona Five. Something about the music and the style, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, maybe the music of Yakuza never bounced, never like resonated with me. I don't know. I don't know what it was exactly, but I love Persona. So hey, it, at yeah. least I'm into one of these giant uh, Japan set like like life simulation rpgs well i think i'm i'm with you where if, and we always talk about this you know of like for me and barrett we go back and forth because i give barrett shit for not having uh played through persona 4 gold and he gives me shit for not having finished persona 5 and it's that thing of for these games that are such an investment there needs to be such a special sauce or hooks on multiple levels that grab me and keep me there mm-hmm. and you know for some reason persona 4 did that and persona 3 did too but that was way back in the day of reviewing shit at ign on ps2s uh, but now like you know for persona 5 i really dug it and again i've what i think i've played the first 30 30 hours twice now and it's like i really like it but eventually i get to that point where it's like you're sitting there with a plate full of food and then the giant buffet in front of you and you're like I'm full. Like I don't. I don't mm-hmm. need more mm-hmm. of this right now. And so I, you know, I, my second playthrough or start, my second attempt at playing through Persona Five, Jason. I started taking notes in a notebook. So now when I go back to it, I'll be able to read my notes and pick up the story in theory and know when my job is, what I need to do, like what's it. happening in the story. Yeah, I dig it. I think I think it might help for that game especially. I think it might help if and when it comes to Switch. I think that would be the perfect place to play through it all, yeah. just because yeah. it's easier to fit into most people's lives when you. Well, can that play was the handout. thing with Vita, right? And why? Uh, why? Mm-hmm. I do wonder if Persona 4 resonated so much is that it was that perfect. I'm getting on the train the train to ride back home in San Francisco and pop, I'd be right to it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, number three on the Roper Report, Resident Evil Village had a hell of a first night. This is Otto Kratke over at GameSpot. Uh, the big lady gets big results. Resident Evil, Vill- Resident Evil Village's debut on Steam is going record-breakingly well, making it a top performer for the franchise on PC. According to Steam stats page, Resident Evil Village is currently one of the top 10 most played games on Steam. The time of writing, the game was just over 78,000 concurrent players, making it ninth on the list. While being on the bottom end of the top 10 list may not sound very impressive, it's quite a feat considering the competition the top spots on steam's uh top 10 most played games are often dominated by counter-strike go dota 2 PUBG, grand theft auto 5 and rust it's also worth noting that resident evil village is currently the only single player title on the top 10 list compared to the rest of the resident evil franchise village is going above and beyond previous player counts beyond according to video game industry analyst benji sales on twitter a majority of previous resident evil releases only managed to net a fraction of village's peak player count resident evil Seven's peak player count was just a uh, uh, little over twenty thousand, almost twenty, uh, almost twenty point uh, five, uh, be- likely because it followed Resident Evil Five and Resident Evil Six, two infamous entries in the franchise. Resident Evil Two Remake and Resident Evil Three Remake uh, have much more impressive numbers, boasting a peak player count of about seventy five thousand and sixty thousand, respectively. Jason, are you into Village? Are you ready for Village? Have you played Village? 
No, I'm also not a Resident Evil fan, so this is like one 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 banger after another for me. Um, I'm a big, uh, a, a huge, huge Ace Attorney fan, so like I'm really excited for. I'm happy for Capcom, but I really want the great Ace Attorney already, so I'm waiting for that. But yeah, no, I'm not surprised actually that Resident Evil Village is doing really well. I mean, first of all, everybody got obsessed over the the giant lady and sure. that meme alone like created this virality that that i think uh, uh helped to help to build some buzz but the other thing is i think like a lot of people i think more people are into gaming than ever before thanks to the past year and uh thanks to the pandemic and also like a lot of people are just looking for new stuff and hungry for new stuff because there hasn't been a ton of it and there isn't going to be a ton of it so like a new resident evil play, uh, game just came out at the perfect time for a lot of people i think yeah, it's back to like what we're talking about with uh, Returnal and then Outriders, mm-hmm. right? Where if you have a game and you are coming out on the new consoles or just a new game that people can get behind, people are stoked to at least be able to talk about something new and have something going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Resident Evil Village is right there in the same thing. Good to see you doing well on Steam and everything else out there. Uh, go get them, Resident Evil Village. I think the franchise could do better, but I'm also not a Resident Evil fan, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Number four. Nintendo's dealing with this semiconductor shortage just like everybody else. This is Tom Ivanover at VGC. Uh, Nintendo has confirmed that the global shortage of semiconductors is hampering its Switch production efforts. The company said on Thursday that it shipped 28.83 million Switch units in its financial, uh, I'm sorry, in the last fiscal year, and that it expects to ship 25.50 million in the current one ending March 31st, 2022, which would see the system overtake the Wii to become Nintendo's best-selling home console to date. However, during a press conference following the publication of its latest earnings results, Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa uh, admitted the company is unable to make as many consoles as it would like and that there is an increasing sense of uncertainty about its production capabilities. Quote, due to the global shortage of semiconductor materials, we are not able to produce the products or all the products we want to, he said via uh, Nikkei uh, paywall. Uh, We are doing everything we can, but there is an increasing sense of uncertainty about production plans. Our earnings forecast is based on the assumption that we will be able to secure parts and materials. And if the situation changes, we would like to respond by revisiting it. Jason, how bad is this semiconductor thing going to get? It is no joke. It's already gotten pretty bad, and yeah, it's it's going to be worse. Yeah, the the chip the chip shortage is for real. Um, my colleagues at Bloomberg, uh, who uh, have been following this and and covering it fantastically, um, and I've been reading reading some of their stuff, and yeah, it is it is very real the chip shortage. And I think this is particularly interesting because we know that the Switch Pro is going mm-hmm. to come at the end of this year, unless Nintendo decides to push it back um, by now. But my colleague at Bloomberg, Takashi Mochizuki, along with some other folks in Bloomberg um, have learned that that the Switch Pro is coming and have been reporting a lot of stuff on that. And we yeah, I'm really interested. Time. We read those reports yeah. all the time, Jason. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so curious to see what happens because it's like, you have the Switch, it is selling gangbusters. It is out of it, like 28 million in its last, nearly 29 million in its last fiscal year is out of control over the Switch. That's like totally. two entire Wii U's in just the last year alone. Two entire Wii U's. Um, so yeah, so, so we got the Switch doing better than ever. Um, we got a new model coming that might like <laughs> explode because uh, if what what I assume is going to happen, if what I predict is going to happen, happen, which is that they release the Switch Pro alongside Breath of the Wild two, yep. or at least announce them together, then that is going to be like out of control sales um, or out of control demand. And if they can't deliver supply, man, that would be sad. It would be such a bummer if like the, the switch pro comes out this fall and breath of the wild two is out and and nobody can actually get it, man, that'd be so sad. So yeah, it's a bummer. 
I, that's what uh, my concern is as they go through this. I wonder, yeah, if they try to slow down the Switch Pro because they're trying to make up ground here and get there. And because I, I think as you we're po- talking about it right now, nothing's stopping the Switch from selling. So it is that idea of like, do you put out the Switch Pro and put out games just for it? But guess what? You can't even get your hands on it. It's it's a PS5, Xbox, uh, Series X situation. Yeah, I don't think it'll be games just for the Switch Pro, for what it's worth. Well, I mean, like, boosted, especially... you know what I mean? Where it, yeah, it makes yeah, better yeah, use of the it. Sorry, I'm, I'm yeah, just... that's the thing. Well, it'll be all these people who are like, man, I really want to upgrade. I want to play Breath of the Wild 2 at 60 frames a second, but I'm stuck with my old Switch. I got to play the inferior version. I mean, it's kind of like what's happening now with the PlayStation 5, and a lot of people want PS5s and haven't been able to get it. And sure. yeah, it just sucks. It sucks all around because it's like nothing, there's nothing anyone can do about this. There's no one to blame. It's just like a sucky situation. Another just, another friggin' like consequence of covid just ruining everybody's lives yeah yeah it's gonna be fascinating though and yeah to your point we talked about it yesterday with the nintendo financials right is that if they do this the same way they do like the game boy family the game boy color family if they lump in switch pro into that this the numbers this thing's gonna put up lifetime are insane because yeah everybody we're talking about everybody who bought a switch uh, at launch right is definitely gonna be ready for a switch pro i'm ready for a switch pro let's go Yep, yep, yep. So something I found interesting also in Nintendo's financials was that they talked about putting some percent of their R&D budget on a Switch successor. And I don't think they were talking about the Switch Pro there. I assume they're talking about whatever console is next because obviously, I mean, it's been four years since the Switch. Of course, they're thinking about what's next. Um, This, they have like... It's so I'm so curious about what they're going to do here because they could really screw things up like they have such a giant install base on the switch and for them to just like go and do something completely radically different like maybe that's something that isn't a handheld maybe some other weird idea for a console. Um, I think that could be a huge mistake because the switch has so much momentum and if they play their cards right if they handle this well that momentum could last for like a decade and it's very not Nintendo like it would be a very not Nintendo thing to do just like a switch to that is essentially the same thing and like plays all the old switch games and is just a giant upgrade. But like, I feel like that's what they need to do. Like, that's what I want. I don't want another, like just console, like TV only console I, uh, dude, from Nintendo, you know, that would be a heartbreaker if they went back to just, it just being one or the other. Like I love the, yep. the, the power of the switch of being able to put it in the dock or pick it up and go with it. Like, that's so awesome and so perfect and it's so good for what Nintendo does. A company that, for you know, and I'm painting with a broad brush, but doesn't care about graphics and doesn't care about trying to compete with the PS5 or Xbox. Like, yep. yeah, just do that. Stick with that. You're, you have a market there that we love. Yeah, and it's it would be just a real shame if they didn't do backwards compatibility and they made us all buy like like um Mario all the Kart old ports again, again. <laughs> and like yeah, man, <laughs> Splatoon again for the fourth time. No, it's just like like they have such a huge opportunity here to just like carry out that momentum and continue kicking ass and I I hope they do it. I hope that like whatever the switch to whatever the switch successor looks like i hope it's more of a switch to even if it's a totally different platform as long as it's got the hybrid and as long as it plays all your switch games i think that would that would make people so happy and like they have the potential here to make people so unhappy if they don't (laughs) if they deviate at all from it yeah man it's like i i don't want to be that guy who's like uh, the the capital g gamer who's like you you company must do what i want i am the consumer you must you must bow to my wishes but like with the switch it's just 
they've done so well with this thing and like been firing on all cylinders for the past four years that to see Nintendo just like walk into a rake again, um, like they did with the Wii they U. Can't, they have be, to know. They it'll have to be a hybrid again, whatever. The yeah, next thing is. come on. Yeah, I sure yeah. hope so. Sure Doug Bowser's so. smarter than that. Yeah, Bowser. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he has a lot to say there. He's the one calling all the shots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number five, Final Fantasy VII integrates six months of PlayStation exclusivity. Uh, we were just talking, obviously, about Sega. finally a game uh, I care about. Love it. Yeah, there you go. Right, we got you. We got you in the end. Uh, talking about Sega and their ex- uh, their deals with Microsoft. Let's talk about one here with PlayStation from Square. Uh, that we go to IGN.com, where Liam Wiseman writes in a new trailer released today. Square Enix has confirmed that Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate will be exclusive to the PlayStation Five for at least six months. A graphic at the end of the final trailer, in quotes, for Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate reveals that the game will remain exclusive to Sony's consoles for at least the first six months after it releases. The trailer also. Also showcases more of the new expanded story of the game, focusing particularly on the new Yuffie character and revealing some of the new boss fights, such as a new, as new encounters against uh, Scarlet in a combat-ready new Shinra mech suit. The exclusivity window is not entirely surprising, given that the original uh, release of Final Fantasy VII Remake was exclusive to PlayStation 4 and also had a timed exclusivity deal in place. This approach seems to follow the trend of Sony striking exclusivity deals with Square Enix's big titles, with Final Fantasy XVI and Forspoken all planning to release first on PlayStation 5. It has not been revealed whether Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade will be ported to Xbox or PC after the six-month exclusivity window. Square Enix does have a history of porting their games to multiple systems following exclusivity deals, however, at, such as uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, launching exclusively on the Xbox One and then releasing on PlayStation 4 later. If Intergrade does end up releasing on Xbox systems or PC, though, it wouldn't be until the exclusivity period was up, which would be December this year at the earliest. Jason, should people hold their breath for an Xbox version of Final Fantasy VII Remake? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if it was like a full package of FF7. But then the problem with FF7 Remake is that then he gets a part two, and is part two going to be like PlayStation exclusive? Also, Who exactly. Knows? How long are you oh, waiting for this thing? Right. <laughs> one of one of the greatest cons that video game publishers have ever have ever um, committed is convincing people to. Ch- cheer for exclusives and like like all these business deals that they're making that just exist to deprive games from people um like like cheering for microsoft to buy companies so that they can they can deprive them from releasing games on playstation or cheering for sony to strike deals with square square enix so nobody else can buy games except for playstation owners it's but like if so I own the console jason it's a win for me you know what i mean and yeah, if i if don't it's a loss a fanboy, yeah <laughs> <laughs> man it's so crazy like i remember sitting at E3 conferences back when we could actually be in person sure. and seeing people cheer like when when like um Sean Layden or whoever would come out and be like and this is only available for PlayStation users and like everybody goes nuts <sighs> not like the the fact that you could convince people to cheer for that essentially you're saying we have paid to uh deprive this to <laughs> from back Xbox fans and PC fans and like you are cheering for that you are cheering because we paid money so this game could not be on other consoles. Jason, they like, want to be the best place to play. That? It's their they te- they God. trademarked it. Best place to play, right? It's really. I mean, it, look, it makes sense from PlayStation's point of view, and that's sure. why the PlayStation Five is like is is selling every single unit it moves. But um, yeah, for for fans, for customers, it sucks. So 
We're, uh, let me bring in nanobiologist actually uh the nanobiologist writes into patreon.com slash a, a real nanobiologist yeah no he, is, no he is no he is uh he no, writes I in, in i don't know if it's a, oh it's a handle oh okay i thought you were bringing in like someone to talk about nanomachines or something like that okay go on <laughs> let's hear about the fox die and the nanomachines yeah. uh nano writes and says the original final fantasy 7 remake was slated to be exclusive for a year that year has passed and we haven't heard any word about release on other consoles now the new final fantasy 7 remake integrate trailer says it will be console exclusive for six months was this dlc exclusivity a way to extend the overall product's exclusivity sony and square have always been very close in the past but with recent years kind of splitting in the name of square's profits are we moving back to an age of more and more console exclusives from big publishers do you see this as a sign that square is also reverting back to basically being a second party studio for sony with some third-party multi-platform games sent to other consoles no, I actually think there's a really simple reason for all this, and that is that Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, which of course is like essentially the DLC, the expansion to the game, that's releasing alongside the Final Fantasy VII Remake port to PS5, and they want what they want to do is double t- double dip on this game and like sell it to a bunch of people on PS5, and so this is just an incentive to buy it on this machine as you get this new thing, um, and then also it's nice it's nice that they offer it as a free upgrade to PS4 owners. So if you own it on PS4, you can yeah. get the free upgrade on PS5, and then also get buy the DLC separately, which is nice. But this is very much like like business, like like uh, uh, fifth dimension chess or whatever. This is very much like we want people to double dip. And in fact, I think a lot of like like one of the 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 interesting things over the past couple of years is that a lot of companies like release strategy was thinking about okay, can we release this game before the next gen consoles and then double dip and what would that sure. look like and how will that look? And I think that like. I mean, I reported the other day that the the there's a Last of Us one remake in the works, and that's going to be like uh, bundled with Last of Us two in some way on PS five, and so that'll be that upgrade. I would not be shocked, also, and I've heard some rumblings of like other games just getting uh, enhanced editions or whatever. Well, to the point where like we'll see lots and lots of stuff. Just get these companies all want to double dip because it's such a good way to make money. You don't have to put in a lot of money in order to get this new version. You don't have to put in a ton of resources in in order to re release a game on PS five. So that's a lot of the equation here, I think. It's just like we want as many people as possible to buy the game and then buy the game twice or uh, have reached these new people who didn't buy it on the previous console. It's, well, it's, it's very exactly much what we're it. talking about at the top of the show, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, why is uh, Resident Evil getting these numbers right now? People are so hungry for something to play. Like this yep. worked out as good as anything could have. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, a great game. You know, kind of funny's game of the year. We all love oh, it. Yes. Even me, who has no history with Final Fantasy. I lo- I adored that game. And so, so for it, yeah, to come out and double dip and then, uh, let alone double dip, but be like, cool, it's the enhanced version. It's got new content. So even if you last time around were like, I'm not a Final Fantasy person, you saw the reviews, you've seen the game of the years, you've heard people talk about it. Here it is. And what else are you going to play? Don't you want something exactly. new? And there it is. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think it's a smart strategy. And so, yeah, I think that's why they're doing this whole exclusive thing. I'm sure they got some money from Sony out of it of as well. Um, and yeah, they clearly have this long-term relationship with Sony just paying them buttloads of money to keep all their stuff exclusive. And yeah, we'll see what happens. It sucks because like I wanted, I've wanted Final Fantasy VII Remake on PC since it came out to, so I could play it at 60 frames a second and like look gorgeous on my PC screen. But uh, this whole thing sucks. It's just exclusivity and paying for exclusivity it's one thing if it's like sony funding their own games on playstation okay i I get that but like this whole like we're gonna pay square enix because we're gonna give them x million dollars so they can only put our stuff on our platform it's just so yeah it's the fact that they got people to cheer for this stuff is still wild to me you know it is wild as well 
patreon.com slash kind of funny games you can go there to be part of the show with your questions your comments your concerns of course you can get the show with the exclusive post show we're doing today and you can get the show ad free but guess what jack you didn't go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games so let me tell you about our sponsor honey as you all know honey has been sponsoring kind of funny for a long time i don't even need to look at the ad not even because they've done it so long but because i use honey all the time i always tap my google chrome there it is the little h right there what honey is is a free uh web browser extension and installs in like two clicks and what happens is when you go to check out on things like 1-800-Flowers when you need to buy your mom flowers for Mother's Day. Mother's Day is this weekend, everybody. Heads up, heads up, heads up. You can go to sites like that and then when you check out, uh, Honey drops down and then runs every coupon code that it knows, finds you the best deal and saves you money. Saved me 20 bucks last night on 1-800-Flowers. Mom, if you're listening, be surprised when you get flowers for 20 bucks cheaper. Um, Honey's awesome. It saves you money. And like I always talk about, if you actually log into the Honey app itself or the, the extension itself, it'll accrue you Honey coins that you can spend on gift cards that you can redeem for other rewards. Uh, if you don't want to log in at all, you could just get the promo codes and be well and good. But don't you want to earn something while you go in? Uh, this is when I look at the thing because I look at the ad. Like I, I just made up my own ad, but I think I hate all the stuff, right? You, yeah. Well, you imagine you're shopping online. You click the thing, apply the coupons, few seconds. Honey's awesome. We know that. It's found over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. If you don't already have honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by using it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast and saving money on your Mother's Day flowers. It's Mother's Day this weekend, everybody. Don't don't F it up. Uh, of course, we never recommend something we don't use. We use honey all the time. I used it last night. Uh, right now, you can get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash games. That's joinhoney.com slash games. Jason. I'm incredibly excited for my mother to get her flowers, but Mother's Day is still so far away. If I wanted something more immediate, say what came to the mom and grop shops, where would I go? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of game, f- kind of funny games daily hosts every each and every weekday. All oh, right. Man. Stick to writing, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Read. Everybody saw it. You, you, you've sickened me. Out today, non-guns doppelganger edition on Xbox One and PC. Chroma, quarter neon, neon, uh, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and PC. Resident Evil Village, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, S, uh, Xbox One, PC, and Stadia. Uh, Papatura on PC and Mac, The Invisible Hand on PC, Patch Quest on PC, Total Arcade Racing on Switch, Blink Rogues, no no platform listed, uh, C14 Dating on Switch, Ninja Epic Adventure on Switch, Super Disc Soccer on Switch, Sweets Swap on Switch, and the YouTube TV app has come to PS5 if you want that. Uh, new dates for you. You can get into the closed beta of beta. 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 Oh, hey, hey, who, who's who's having trouble reading now, man? Oh, oh, did you hear me stumble through every now. game name and every <laughs> Japanese name before that? Don't, Jason. I I I am literally throwing the biggest rocks from the smallest glass house. Don't worry. I love it. I no love one it. on this show listens to it. And Greg really can read well. <laughs> uh, Hunter's Arena on PS5 and PS4 closed beta May 14th. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, Jason, I got a question for you. It comes from <laughs> nanobiologist again, who wrote into your wrong, wrong. It says, just confirming, I am a nanobiologist with a dual bachelor degree in biology and nanomedicine. Also, nanomachines aren't as machiny wow. as you think. Most are adapted carbons or bubbles. Read my, read my cells like soap bubbles. Uh, that have specific connections on them to interact with the body in specific ways. Nanoscale bots are a long ways away. 
So there you go. Mm. Anyway, so that question. So that vamp didn't die. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's exactly. He had those things attached to him, and they were mm. they were just you know all they were were carbons and bubbles. Anyways, mm. though, nanobiologist's question for you is this. Jason, you are well known to be the guy with all the inside scoops. Can you please go over your process, maybe even going to the start of your career regarding how you get all these staff members to trust you with such invaluable information that, if leaked or gotten out there, could possibly result in repercussions at their workplace? How did you get established as this beacon for game developers to go to with this information? (laughs) I mean... I don't know. That's a tough question to answer. I don't really, it's not like you, you like suddenly snap your fingers or like push a button. It's, it's very much like a long and gradual process of like talking to people and meeting people and hopefully gaining their trust and uh, trying not to like, uh, trying not to uh, give a, do a disservice when telling their stories, like trying to tell their stories in a way that is empathetic and fair and honest and accurate. Um, not necessarily that like all people will always love, but that they'll always respect is like, okay, like I didn't love the way that story was handled, but it was fair and accurate. So I can't really get mad at it. And yeah, it's just like a combination of stuff, but like, actually, I mean, it's so funny. Like people always say to me, or like, I got this question the other day, like, um, are people just telling you things about unannounced games? Like, how do you know all this stuff about unannounced games? And I'm like, I don't really know that much. Like, Greg Miller probably knows more than I do about unannounced games. I'm not, like, going around and, like, asking people about that stuff. And I don't really want to. It just, like... I'm talking to a lot of people who make games regularly for stories and stuff, or like just to catch up with people. And I know a lot of people and talk to them. Um, And sometimes like things will come up where it'll be like, Oh, I heard about this thing that you should know about. But like, it's not like I'm going up to people at, 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 I don't know, Naughty Dog or whatever, and be like, so what are you guys working on? Like, just- <laughs> Anything going on over there? Any problems? Yeah, What's happening? Like, Where are we going? Maybe every once in a while if I'm like trying to, well, any problems, I mean, that's a different question than like, what are you working on? Any problems is very different. That is something that I'll talk to people about. But but like, it's not like, like every once in a while, if I'm trying to confirm something, some some then it's some scoop I'm working on or something, I'll, I'll ask a bunch of people about it. But but like, it's not like I make a hobbit, a habit hobbit yeah i do make a hobbit no it's not like i make a habit of like going around and being like so what are what are the hot new um i don't know sony santa monica games like i'm not just like going around and doing that um but i do i am interested in asking what people's problems are and like what sorts of stories they think should be told but i'm so much more interested in like stories than i am in leaks and and unannounced stuff um like breaking news is great but it was what like the last Time is such a weird thing now. A year, yeah. year and a half, maybe even two years. But I'm stretching there. Where you had done like a Twitter thread about like I'm. I know plenty of stuff off that like is about that it could leak. But what do you care if this company's working on Game X? It's more about what's happening at that company or the people. Right. Yeah. It's more in service of the larger story. And it's like, I, I used to always have the mentality of like, and I'm, I still kind of have like some, some remnants of that, but I used to have the mentality of like a reporter's job is to tell people everything and they should be reporting everything they possibly can. And to some extent, I still feel that way, but like, because the video game industry is so secretive and cause it like seems to really hurt people for some reason when, when stuff gets leaked out and like unannounced stuff is, is talked about. Um, it's, I, I have, I, I am certainly judicious when it comes to that stuff. And I, but I'm, I'm just way more I'm not really interested in like telling people there's nothing super satisfying to me there's nothing 
really, there's not a lot satisfying to me about talking about something, reporting something that you're all going to find out anyway. Like the thing that is valuable to me, the stuff that that really gives my life meaning is is telling stories that like, if not for me, those stories would not be out there. And that's why sure. I love writing books and like doing stuff like Press Reset, which comes out May 11th at your local bookstore. Kindofunny.com um, slash Jason. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, like without, like a lot of these stories have not been told before. Like a lot of these people have not been profiled before and spotlighted before. And to me, that's what's really interesting and gratifying about being a reporter. Like, okay, cool. It's fine to be like, like once in a while, I'll have to be like, yeah, it's true. The new Assassin's Creed is whatever. It's set in, but a whatever place. But like that to me is not nearly as gratifying as doing the real work of reporting. And, and I think that's so much more important. 100%. I understand that. That's, a, I think, a good stance to have. And I would think to, yeah, you would know better than me, but in terms of watching your career, right, I think, how did you get established? You got established by doing the work. I feel like that's how people learn to come to you, right, is that the more stuff you did, the more things you reported on uh, that were in a similar vein brought more people to you to talk about those things, which then, you know, inc- increases your uh, uh, credibility. Yeah, I think that that like doing the work, luck is a humongous part of it. I think like any any successful person who tells who 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 is talking about how they got their success like has to acknowledge the the benefits of luck and like the amount of luck I've had and the amount of privilege I have. Um, like when I started my freelance career, I got so lucky in that I found this gig that was like uh, doing this this random copy editing gig that essentially was paying me five hundred dollars a week for like like what took me five hours to do. And because I had that like safety net in place, I was able to go out and freelance and like be making way less than that from free pitching articles to sort to to site to gaming sites and stuff and pitching reviews and just because like like having that i mean really everyone should have a social safety net but that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> like, have that like help me start my career and being lucky enough to like get picked out of the out of a giant pool of applicants for like a job at wired and then being lucky enough to to got to get a chance to like meet with steven Zidolo, who hired me at kotaku and then being lucky enough that like at kotaku we were able to set up a i was able to have resources and like set up an infrastructure where i could really do like reporting that i was proud of and and be lucky enough to have all these smart and talented colleagues who i worked with and all this other stuff there's just so much friggin luck to it that uh i think i think it has to be mentioned as well good 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 kind of funny.com slash uh, jason go get yeah, the press reset yeah. out on tuesday I'm you get your local bookstores too and stuff like that we're gonna talk about it even more in the post show uh but for now of course let me wind you down this has been kind of funny games wow. daily uh we have know your wrongs because we were knocked him out about nanobiles just as we went in his credentials uh, uh the no squad up for the weekend so just enjoy yourself play video games with your real friends uh then here we are for next week's host you're gonna get a somewhat normal week uh for kind of funny games daily next week monday it'll be blessing and tim tuesday it will be me and gary Witta. wednesday it will be me and janet garcia Thursday, it'll be me and Tim Geddes. And then Friday, Blessing and Tim take you home one week from today. Uh, if you're watching live on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games, I remember it is Snowbike Mike's birthday. We are doing the subathon. If you miss it, you can go to youtube.com slash kind of funny plays. Catch up with it there. Uh, on top of that, uh, while we are live, the kind of funny uh, vids Twitter account put up a post here. Kevin, if you can throw it up, uh, it is what's going on for uh, the platinum tier this month on patreon.com slash kind of funny and patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Uh, if you support kind of funny at the platinum tier on patreon.com slash kind of funny or patreon.com slash kind of funny games this month's platinum reward by rain is gonna get you hyped for mario golf you can see it there it's the kind of funny crew made up to be the mario golf characters which is fantastic and you bet your ass i'm dry bones
I want to see you guys do a Mario golf level like you did for Hitman. I want to see you guys do levels in every single game. Your mouth to God's ears. All right. Come on now. <laughs> Nintendo, you want me to make a Mario golf letter? You hit me or a letter. Letter? Damn. Words letter, are hard today. <laughs> See, it's, one of those days. it's one of those Fridays. You just it's, like, yeah, we're oh, out man. of gas. Yeah, you've been on a book tour. Oh, my God. I've talked so much this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you're, you're still talking more. We have the patreon.com slash kind of funny games post show. We're going to talk yeah. more about press reset. Again, you can pick it up Tuesday. You can get it at kind of funny.com slash Jason or your local bookstore. Get out there and get it. Uh, Jason, is there anything else uh, to promote before we say goodbye to the wide audience? Yeah, I mean, if you enjoyed hearing me mispronounce words on this show, you will probably enjoy hearing me mispronounce words on the Triple Click podcast, which I do with uh, my old colleagues, Kirk Hamilton and Maddie Myers, and we love doing our little show. It's very fun. I think we have a, a pretty pretty good intersection of our fans and Kind of Funny's fans oh, sure. and uh, also Min Max fans. I feel like we all we all have a lot of a good intersection of people. So yeah, go check it out, Triple Click Podcast, wherever podcasts are found. Exactly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, remember this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday on a variety of flat platforms. Damn. We run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. You can get it at youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, uh, podcast services around the globe each and every weekday. We got a post show to do. So until next time, no, it's been our pleasure to serve you. <laughs>